Welcome to The Hold Room with ACC, a quick update on all things relating to airport development as well as the Airport Consultants Council. This episode is part of the Passenger Experience Series hosted by ACC's Terminal and Facilities Committee. In this series, we are collecting the experiences and perspectives about the future of passenger travel including changing demographics, such as the U.S. population aging and becoming more multicultural, new technologies, labor and supply chain shortages, and what the future may have in store. Thank you for joining us in the Hold Room. In this episode of the Hold Room, we get the perspective from once airport planner to now corporate diversity and inclusion program manager at Mead and Hunt, Anita Cobb, on how changing demographics and labor shortages are impacting the passenger experience. We will explore technology updates and airport design that should be considered as our airport passengers continue to change. Welcome to the Hold Room. Welcome back to the Hold Room, everyone. We're very excited to have Anita Cobb here with us in the Hold Room. Anita Cobb is with Mead and Hunt. Anita, would you spend a few minutes just telling us a bit about yourself, what you do, who you are? Sure, absolutely. I'm Anita Cobb. I work for Meet and Hunt, and I work out of our Lansing, Michigan office by way of our Denver office because that's where our sustainability and environmental planning services are actually based. So I've been in with Meet and Hunt for the last five years, and I've had a super fun experience learning how to figure out how in our aviation practice we can take care of people. But I also take that extra step of looking at how we engage people. So community engagement and things that help our disadvantaged business partners be able to become independent in the marketplace. And then I also just pay attention to how we're dealing with industry organizations, colleges and universities to start influencing aviation from the perspective of recruiting new people into our industry as well. That's really exciting. Thank you. So from a perspective of what's going on in the terminal planning right now, what does a positive passenger experience mean to you? Well, this is an interesting question just because I think I've gained a new love and passion for the passenger experience quite recently. If you think about it, your Atlanta airport, Hartsfield, they had approximately 55 million people go through their terminal in 2019. And when you think of the sheer volume of individuals going through that airport, the passenger experience has to change in order to be able to accommodate all those different levels of ability and all those experiences of people who go into the airport. So it's just really exciting to see that there's a lot more attention being paid to human-centered design and really looking into how we're engaging with people to understand what their current experience is and how we can help to improve that. I'm curious, what are some specific changes that you feel like you've seen recently that are really kind of edging us toward a more human-centered design aspect of the airport terminal? Absolutely. That's a great question, too. Airports are becoming little cities more than just by like identity of what an airport has traditionally been. They are really taking on the feel of having places for you to shop. They have places for you to sleep. They have all these different things that allow you to be able to feel like you have a lot of the comforts of home as you wait for your flight to leave. And I think that as we're looking at some of the more progressive airports, you're seeing things like these meditation spaces or reflection rooms 
so you can have quiet. The sensory rooms are going in for people that are neurodiverse in order for them to be able to have a comfortable experience. So have things like adult changing tables that are going into bathrooms and mother's rooms for them to be able to nurse their kids. And I think that as we're looking at airports and they think about how people have these diverse needs based on their ability, it's really cool to see them design spaces that are meant for people to be able to, to you know, not have to be frustrated or stressed before they get onto a plane. Uh, having some cool connections to the community as well. I saw, I think it was Ontario Airport that had um, some ties back to how you can get your dog on the news if you snap a picture of uh, the dog in the service animal relief area. So it's little things like that that are really cool and coming out to help people feel like the airport is so much more accessible. I think another thing that's really cool is how they're creating um, inclusive areas for children. I think uh, as people are being more cognizant of the needs of individuals um, as we travel and just as we do business in general and thinking about how our well-being is impacted by not only the travel experience, but just being able to be away from home and what you're comfortable with is really important for us to pay attention to. Yes, absolutely. Those are all incredible things. And I think it's amazing to see that as a parent, to have those experiences and be able to see how it's transitioned throughout the terminal evolution, I want to say, because it keeps improving and becoming more accessible. Have you seen anything or do you know of anything that you might be in play, especially with some of the demographic changes of baby boomers retiring and wanting to travel more? The population is aging. There's a subset of, of people who are just now having children. And like you already mentioned, a lot of the things like the mother's room, the playgrounds and terminals. You know, I, I find some some comfort in the fact that airports are being more cognizant of the aging population, because if you really think about it, and COVID actually taught me this more than anything else, there are a lot of things that are put, pla- put in place to help people uh, with mobility or vision or hearing impairment. And a lot of that comes with age, you know, unfortunately. But those things that are put in place to help us um, or help people with those impairments, they actually become assets to other people as well. I learned that because my son, he ended up dislocating his shoulder. And the biggest help in the world to him was to be able to have those foot pedals on the door. And as we look at different things that are being created for airport spaces, um, either by way of them thinking about like having carpeting on the ground. Is that safe for people? Are they changing it over to tile? Or um, having the people who are available to um, help uh, individual disabilities uh, get from gate to gate. They're even changing some of the ways that they do that. One of the really cool things that I uh, witnessed at an innovative design challenge recently was they're creating these um, chairs that will help individuals get from place to place throughout an airport with a special screen that will help them be able to interface with somebody in case they have any issues while using this chair. And the chair gets them all around the airport and has different things to help them mobility wise. And then you have that personal touch of like your on demand customer service right there on the chair for you. And even though that's something that's uh, one of those innovative designs that hasn't quite come into play yet, there's a lot of things that are shaped up just like that to think about how can we make sure that people don't feel isolated and alone or like they don't have service or help when they come to an airport. As we start to create more strategies that are geared towards making people have to be more conscious of your physical body's ability, it'll create a lot of synergy for people that are 
able-bodied and for those who have disabilities as well. But then there's also things like changes in technology. Like I think that, you know, as we're looking at some of these airport technologies, they're still being inclusive of people who might not have that experience to be as progressive with technology. They're trying to bridge that gap, something that maybe we should be considering a lot more. It's incredible you said that because as you were talking about the technology innovation with the seat and having somebody there. I was thinking about the cell phone situation and then you brought it up. Yeah. I just flew internationally and came back and it took a good two days for me to figure out how to turn off and turn on my SIM card so my phone worked in the U.S. again. Any kind of airport that has international travel, you're going to have people come in while they might be really good with technology. Their personal technological devices might not work right away. You can't pull up things electronically on your device. It has to be on some local device. And you're right. There's huge technological improvements. And yet there are people who are not able to or not willing to use that. And so finding that middle ground of interface, of experience levels, of ease of use, and integrating all of that and not having two completely separate groups of people, but how they all commingle with one another. So thank you for sharing all that. Very, very interesting. Absolutely. Now, adding on to that, do you think that there are some efficiencies to be had at airports that right now airport design or airport security might be impacting labor shortages? One thing I, I thought about immediately was just the logistics of an airport period. Let's say that you work at a certain restaurant on a certain concourse. It's a pain in the butt for you as a passenger to think about what it means to park your car and get all the way to said location so you can get to your gate. So sometimes, you know, especially with people that are of different ability, that might not be the best incentive for them to go work at a place where they know they got to walk the length of a football field in order to be able to get to work. I think even though there are a bunch of restaurants and shops and stuff, airports are typically more expensive than other locations. So if you're paying me $11 an hour and you want me to buy a sandwich that's $18 and I don't even get a chips and a drink, that doesn't sound like you know what I want to do to you know be able to maintain my employment. So maybe there would be better ways for um, airports to think about how they could incentivize workers to want to work in a facility that might not have opportunities for them to have a gym or other things. The other thing I thought about in jobs in general right now, as we're talking about parents, that childcare situation is a big deal too. If there was ever a way for an airport to figure out how to have an on-site daycare for their employees, I think that they would have a booming amount of applicants. And even like if they just were to create better means of people to transport themselves to work, maybe, you know, airports are, I'm thinking of Denver right now. Denver's far. And for anybody to really want to work there and make it make sense, if gas is for something out there like it is in Michigan right now, I don't want to drive 45 minutes to work to make $10, $12 an hour. So what does that mean for, you know, do you provide them with transportation, train or bus tokens to be able to better access the airport? And again, all of this can be remedied by doing some stakeholder engagement, talking to the employees and asking them what they need. And I think we get away from that a lot because needs are so diverse. Every family's different. Every person is different. Every circumstance is, you know, just different enough to mean that there are millions of solutions to people's problems. But, you know, just getting a good pulse on maybe the current employees can at least start to try to chip away at some of those issues that take away from their reasons for wanting to be gainfully employed at the airport. Yeah, like non non-monetary incentives that help get impact the labor shortage, get right. people motivated to come to the airport. But what if the incentive is there is a gym at the airport 
And there's a fee for it that everybody can access, but it's free to the employees. There's childcare at the airport on an hourly basis or on a, you know, however that needs to happen, but it's free to employees. I think that can make a big difference, not just to the employees, but to the entire airport community. So I think that you're right on, on target there. So do you mind if I switch topics slightly? Hey, go ahead. Have at it. (laughs) All right. I was wondering if you've seen any changes that are related to the changing in demographics to more multilingual, multicultural. Mm. Yes. Oh, my gosh. What a great question. This is one of my uh, favorite activities for an airport to engage in, because if you are really being a good steward of your community, you'll know what demographics you're working with. So let's say an airport is in an area that has a high Hispanic population. The first thing that you definitely want to do is make sure that you are having signage that's available for them to read, or if you do any type of outreach that you make it bilingual and things of that nature. But then there's also the the richness of the culture. And I've seen a lot of airports that are taking that extra step to put art that's engaged with the, the community culture, or think about about illustrating um, different people in the community in general. And I just love the fact that we are taking that step to educate others on people that are impacting that community. They're taking the approach of being able to bring what you would be able to see as a tourist in their city into the airport. I absolutely love that. There's also, like we mentioned about uh, multilingual options and things like that. That signage is is so amazing. Waste diversion services are how I got uh, started in airport planning. And we had some, um, a company, an organization called Recycle Across America that we were working with that had options to create their labels, not only with different words, but pictures. And I think that that's going to be the wave of the future is to be able to do more graphically because pictures are a universal way for a lot of people to understand stuff. Because if you really wanted to be inclusive, there's just no way that you'd be able to capture all those languages on one sign. Now, what you could do is put QR codes on stuff because regardless of, you know, what language you speak, a lot of us have cell phones. So if you could take your cell phone and scan a QR code and that picture will give you what you need in your said language, I think that the airports can change the game with stuff like that. But the point is that as we're thinking about cultures and and how important it is for people to be able to practice who they are, creating spaces where people can, you know, continue to be themselves is going to be really, really, really important. And I want to say that uh, another part of, you know, ingraining different cultures and and religions and languages into an airport, it's important for those who are coming through an airport space to sometimes feel comfortable seeing things that are familiar as well. That can help with anxiety, you know. So I don't know what more inventive things are happening right now other than people taking a lot of time to just show people people. I agree with you with your comment on signage you know you can't on a practical level you can't have a sign that's you know three feet long to say (laughs) restrooms this way right Right, to have you know 17 and a half different languages i kind of want to pick up on something else that you were talking about just you know how do we um, incorporating different needs within the passenger terminal experience what role do you think that engaging with local dbe sbe lbe etc firms 
have in providing that perspective and how can they best engage with the airport to provide that type of insight? I think one thing that needs to definitely be illustrated about disadvantaged and small businesses is that they exist to not exist. And I say that because the DBE program was put in place all that time ago to say there are groups of people who don't have a fair shot at being able to perform. So what is it that we need to do to give them a better opportunity at being independent? So if the program was working as effectively and efficiently as this was supposed to, we wouldn't need it because there wouldn't be any disadvantages. So I think that the cool thing that small and disadvantaged businesses bring to the airport space is that they are they're not worried about, you know, being this big, huge conglomerate. They're more worried about what is it that we need to do to put some best practices in place so we can be as effective and efficient as possible. So I think that small and disadvantaged business experience just helps airports keep that experience local. It keeps the the money in the local economy. It may provide some opportunities for um, the airport to look at those businesses as places they would love to be able to grow and see them go into other locations and maybe bring back some best practices. We're seeing that airports are struggling to find disadvantaged and small businesses to do some of their jobs. So what does that mean? There's probably another synergy that can be uncovered there to help airports figure out how to maybe train some of these small and disadvantaged businesses to do some of the work that they're needing done. And I don't know if that answered the question either. No, it was a pretty open-ended question. So no, you're good. (laughs) Awesome. This has been so wonderful to hear about all the different perspectives. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, guys. And I mean, as long as we can just keep working together and keep learning and keep growing and just keep challenging ourselves to think outside the box, I think things will just get more and more amazing. Anita, thank you so much for joining us in the Hold Room today. This has been a very insightful and great discussion, and hopefully we can hear more from you soon. Absolutely. Thank you all for having me. Thanks for joining us in The Hold Room for this special podcast series exploring the new passenger experience. You can find more from this series on the ACC Training Hub. That's training.acconline.org backslash the-hold-room or wherever you get your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, etc. Follow us for more content from the Airport Consultants Council. You can support this podcast by leaving a rating or review and by telling your friends and colleagues about the podcast. Thanks again.